My name's Alan Carter. I'm the president and CEO of Cabral Gold. We have an advanced exploration project in Brazil with current resource base uh, totaling uh, over 1.1 million ounces. And we're right next door to uh, Brazil's uh, major gold mine. And um, and we have a district scale uh, uh, project. Alan, good to see you. And look, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. These are difficult times, difficult markets. Your share price has been beaten up real good. Um, how are you feeling about it all? Uh, I guess the best word is a bit jaded, uh, Matt. To be perfectly honest, it's been it's been a very difficult period, particularly given that we've significantly advanced our project. Um, you know, we've been knocking out some amazing drill results. That we've got a much better resource that we put out just a, a few weeks ago. That is a significant upgrade to the previous resource, and yet the share price is uh, is significantly lower than it was just twelve months ago. Okay, look, Alan. I, I think you know your company, like many others, um, is has been beaten up um, pr- pretty good by the marketplace. But the question people are asking is, how do they identify the companies are more likely to come out the other side uh, in good shape to kind of move forward? I mean, w- w- what have you got going about you? Well, look, Matt. I'm an investor, so I have a portfolio of uh, junior mining stocks, and I've got my criteria. And I think most people have similar list of criteria. Some of us are, are. I'm very formal about it. I mean, I have a whole series of criteria, and I rank all the companies before I make an investment and before I place an order on on a whole scale of different things. And they di- they have different weightings. But I would suggest to you that management is key, as you know. And so I look for companies that have a significant management interest, where management is actually invested money. It's not good enough to just say, hey, management owns 10%. If, if that management team has ended up with a 10% interest in the company because they, they gifted themselves a big chunk of stock at the, when they formed the company, that's not the sort of uh, company I want to invest in. In our case, I've got 2.8 million reasons or $2.8 million of my own capital into this, which is a massive chunk of my net worth. We've also got a track record as a management team. We've been directly involved in five grassroots gold discoveries in Brazil. Um, and um, we've got a track record of raising capital in good times and bad. So I think that that's that's the kind of key thing. You've got to have that. Look for management would be my best advice. But also assets are important, right? And that's another one on my checklist is I like to see companies, and I invest in companies, which have a, a, a real asset. So, you know, a resource, um, not just a piece of moose pasture somewhere that has a good story, but a resource with ounces in the ground. And we have, as I said, over 1.1 million ounces in the ground. The other thing I look for is upside. I'm looking to invest in companies that where that resource base could grow by five times, ten times. And I suggest to you that we also tick that box because I mentioned that we uh, we are um, we have a district scale opportunity in news flow. All that's great, which I've just said. But if a company doesn't have any news and they're not knocking out news out, there's no catalyst to for the stock to move higher. And so, um, again, if you look at our news flow, we've had an incredible news flow in, in, of drill results in the last 18 months. Unfortunately, in this market, it's had very little impact. Uh, but now really is the time, in my experience, and I've seen half a dozen of these cycles in my career, now is the time to invest. Not, not you know, in six months, 12 months time when the market is recovered and everything is zooming up. You've missed it. Um, so... Um, you know, look for good companies, but management asset upside jurisdiction. We're right next door to Brazil's biggest new gold mine. It will be the, the third largest gold producer in Brazil. That's in construction. And we are right next door. Our claims are contiguous. So those are some of the most important things that I look for as an investor. And I suggest that uh, other people should consider doing the same. I mean, I think those are important for everybody. Okay, but we, we talked in the past about what it's going to take to get this project moving forward. Because di- district-wide, 
um, you know, opportunities can also be liabilities because it requires a lot of money to kind of get those things moving. We, we've talked about this blanket, okay, um, which could be free, free digging. Um, someone's brought up uh, the issue of saprolite in in here, which could be a thorn in the side, could it not? Well, look, I mean, I think that's the, that's another thing that I personally look for is companies which have uh, a, a route to get into near-term production, i.e. companies that can get off the hamster wheel of raising money, diluting shareholders, uh, drilling, raising money, diluting shareholders. I'm interested in companies that, that can actually hop off that sort of merry-go-round, if you like, or that hamster wheel and getting the production reasonably quickly. And, and we have that opportunity with these oxide deposits that we've got. They're blankets. They're in unconsolidated material. Some of it is saprolite, but that's great because saprolite is all free digging. And we know that the saprolite leaches extremely well. We've got 82% recoveries through heat leaching. Heat leaching is a, an extremely cheap method uh, approach to uh, recovering gold. So, um, you know, we also tick that box. Uh, and that is something that we're going to put a lot of time and energy to over the next 12 months is demonstrating the viability of those oxides. So you're not concerned about the saprolite component because I think it was a sort of reasonably well-known market figure brought this up as a potential issue. As far as you're concerned, it is also free digging? Uh, it's, it's also free digging. So let's just, let's just explain what saprolite is because I think a lot of folks won't know what it is. Uh, saprolite material is generally weathered hard rock material. So it, it appears as red mud, a lot of this stuff. And the concern from some quarters is when you get a lot of this red mud, um, you know, it's sticky, it can be sticky, and it can have a lot of clay, and that can make recovering gold uh, very difficult. Uh, look, not all saprolite's the same. Some of it has a lot of clay and some of it doesn't. Um, we do have some of that saprolite. We also have a lot of sandier material, a lot of soil, a lot of rockier sort of uh, material where you can see the actual igneous textures in. So we, our clay contents are about one and a half percent, Matt. That is extremely low. Um, so we don't have any of this really incredibly sticky stuff that sticks to your boots, sticks to everything, and, and is very difficult to get get the gold out of. We don't we don't have that material. Right, but okay. So if you're comfortable with it, so technically and in terms of the recoveries and so forth, it then comes down to the the, the size and scale and getting this thing funded. Right. So you've got we're talking about three three blankets. Um, have you got a best sense of how you're coming at it? How are you going to get it funded? The timing for all of the above, you know, and when this thing actually starts generating the the, the cash flows, which can release the potential of the of the district. Yeah, good question. Look, look, Matt, we're still doing internal scoping work. We've not put anything out in terms of a PA or anything. I can tell you the scoping work is is looking extremely positive. But um, the opportunity that we've got is to. Uh, mine this oxide material and process this oxide material with a very, very low capex. So get a heat leach operation into production very, very quickly for a, for a low capex. Um, this won't be the, the actual ultimate aim. The ultimate aim is to get that up and running as quickly and as cheaply as possible and then study the actual viability of mining the much larger hard rock deposits which sit underneath the weathered materials as stage two. But obviously having cash flow, as I said, heat leaching is very, very cheap. This material has virtually no stripping ratio. There's very little waste. Why? Because the oxide blankets that I mentioned are sitting on hilltops. It is all free digging, as I said several times already, which means that we don't need to drill and blast. And because it's all free digging, we can actually, um, there's no crushing and grinding. We don't want, need one of these massive processing plants that you see on lots and lots of corporate videos and steel everywhere and your huge big buildings and, and and all the rest of it we don't need any of that because we don't need to crush and grind the material that we've got so 
Um, you know, it, we're very, very fortunate. There are very few companies that have this sort of oxide material we've got. Now, the resource that we put out uh, just, uh, just a few weeks ago indicates we got well over 200,000 ounces of that oxide material. Um, and we think there's a lot of potential to, uh, to expand that significantly beyond that. So I think, and this, this brings us back to the opportunity cost, right? So, so you was asking me, you know, about the opportunity and, 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 and uh, you know, why is now a good time to invest? Because frankly, everything is on sale. And so if you're going to go to the sale, look for good quality products, right? Don't, don't look for things that, you know, don't have, if you're looking for a car, don't buy a car with two wheels. Do you know what I mean? Um, buy a motorbike. But, um, you know, I would say that in our case, uh, we, I would, I, you know, I'm obviously biased because I'm the CEO, but I think we have a very, very good quality product here. Another way of looking at this is what are our ounces valued in the ground? Currently, we have a 30 million market cap, Canadian, and we've got over 1.1 million ounces. So it's about 20 US dollars an ounce in the ground is what we're being valued at. And as I said, we've got... 600,000 ounces of the 1.1 million ounces are indicated. We've got a high degree of confidence, particularly around that 600,000 ounces, and they're being valued at just 20, 20 uh, US dollars an ounce in the ground, which is ludicrously low. And I think there's a massive opportunity right now. I'd agree with you. As long as people pick the right vehicles, use your, your, your analogy, um, yeah, two, two wheels is not good for a car, but um, likewise, you know, having a you know five point four liter engine is is no good if the thing doesn't work. So, but I need to kind of get to the point of understanding at what point are you going to be able to give us guidance as to what it's going to cost you to you know you know deal with this two, this two hundred thousand three hundred thousand um, ounces and get it out of the ground and, and get a better understanding of the economics there. I get that it's cheap because uh, um, you're just you're moving dirt, quite frankly, and I get that it's heat leach, so it's cheap. But I need timings. I need a sort of sense yeah, of yeah. you know what's well, look, to come. Look, look Matt, I, I, our our um, our expectation is that sometime during the first quarter of next year, we'll be able to to give some guidance to the market in terms of a PA. As I said, we've done a lot of internal scoping work here. Um, and that will all be translated into a preliminary economic analysis on this thing. Uh, but I think if you look at other sort of, and there are very few to look at, but if you look at other similar size operations where uh, in terms of capital cost for smaller uh, operations, which are mining oxide material on surface, I mean, the, the, the costs are extremely low and, and hence the margin is very, very significant. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I would expect that... Um, sometime during the first quarter, we should have a PA out. Okay, so that, that, that's the moment. So um, you're, on, you're on sale, apparently. <laughs> just, just, Along just with perhaps. everybody else, yeah. Along with everyone else. I know, but but I think you know what I was keen to get out of you today, so you're all, why, why now? What is it? And you know, can, can it come out the other side? So PEA, Q1, will give us a sense of where you're at and what you're about. Right, right. I, I think just as a general, sense, general comment, I mean, it... It's very difficult for investors right now because there's a lot of folks who have basically invested at higher levels. They're looking at a loss. It's depressing. Uh, I'm certainly in that boat. Uh, but you have to take a medium to long term view with these things. I don't think that the, the wisest strategy is when you're down 50 percent, 70 percent on your investment is to bail. I mean, now some people have to. You don't have a choice. But if you can stay the course, 
Uh, if, you, if you believe that you've picked good quality companies for some of the reasons that we talked about earlier, then I, I would suggest to people that they should stay the course. Because if you listen to folks like Rick Raw, who's some of the most successful investors in our business, they have a six, seven year timeline. That's their time horizon. Um, are there quick wins? Yes, there are quick wins. But, you know, the most successful people in our business, who investors in our business, have that kind of timeline. And I think um, I think you need to be talking about that sort of uh, or thinking along those lines. Well, well, we do. We, we do. And we are. Um, you know, I think there, there are moments in time uh, in cycles uh, where you go, I'm piling in that because I say, use your phrase, you know, discounted. Stock is always good as long as you're sure the company will cycle out the other side of it. So, look, um, as ever, great to talk to you. Just reminding us about the PEA timeline. Um, we've seen some of the, the results coming out of the ground through the, through the press releases. You're not getting credit for those now, but you've got to get on with the business of doing business. Um, money, though, must be getting tight. How, how are you managing that side of the business? Well, we're obviously reducing expenditures where we can. Um, you know, you, you do have to be cognizant of that, obviously. Um, and so we've reduced our costs. We've reduced our expenditures significantly. Um, and we are looking at different avenues of raising capital. Um, but you've got to be, I think, you, you know, you, you just have to set your expectations a, a, a lot lower in some cases. I mean, you know, a year ago, last year, the middle of last year, we raised $10 million. Well, well $10 million, and actually it was oversubscribed. It was actually 11.5. I mean, that that is not realistic in the, in the current market. So obviously that dictates what you're able to do. That means that we can't be as aggressive in terms of our exploration program. We can't drill with as many rigs. Uh, we can't do everything that we wanted to do. Um, so... Yeah, so we've made quite a lot of changes in the last few months. Right. So, is it now one hundred percent focus on on the blanket on you know taking the data from these blankets? Well, the primary some, objective some... for Matt, the primary objective for us is to demonstrate that we've got a multi-million ounce district here with plus at least two million ounces. We think it'll be a lot bigger than that. Ultimately, that's that's the overall objective. But as I said, in terms of how fast we can demonstrate that, it's not a linear straight line. You can't go at 70 kilometers or 100 kilometers an hour all the time because of the funding constraints. Um, but in the meantime, funding, as we've just discussed, is extremely important. And we do have all this oxide material that could allow us to to level out that that velocity, if you like. So um, you know, obviously, if we're generating cash from our own little oxide operation, it, it, it gives us a lot more freedom in terms of how much how aggressive we can be with the exploration program. Look, look I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, th th these are difficult times and, it, you know, it's, it, you know, difficult markets out there. Money is expensive out there. But I've kind of felt for the last year, the story has been or should be about the blanket component, the, these, these oxides where you can generate cash um, and all efforts capital and otherwise should be pointed towards that because you need to demonstrate to someone that these things can generate the cash that you want and that they should give you the money needed to do this. I, and I kind of in a meaningful way wouldn't even care what, what the cost of that money would be um, because it, you, you kind of need uh, the incremental revenue to kind of generate the, you know, and deliver the district potential, right? But money's tight money's expensive right now. So how do you advance that to the point where you can persuade someone in a non-dilutory capital raise to you know, give you the cash that you need? 
Yeah, well, look, as I said, there are all sorts of different finance financing avenues for that for funding that much smaller operation. So, and we are exploring those, Matt. So, you know, hopefully, we'll have some good news on 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 how we're going to fund that initiative. Um, and so, we are putting a lot of time and effort into that. That is a that is a key thing. I think I think there is one other thing though that you haven't touched on is I think one of the things that's important is to realize. We're not a small, we don't intend to be a small producer here. We want to be a significant mid-sized to large producing company. And we've got an asset here that we believe in the long run will support that. And it's important that people realize that. I mean, once, you, once you're actually into production, a lot of folks will say, well, okay, you're producing X ounces. Let's put you in the small producer bucket or the medium producer bucket or whatever. And then you're all, all regarded as, 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 as you know, for example, a small producer forever and a day. Let's make no, um, you know, look, it's very, very important, Matt, that the, the market understands that we have an asset here that's a whole district that is going to keep growing and growing and growing. Why do I say that? Because we've discovered two new deposits, quite apart from the oxide blankets, which are great. We've got two gold deposits here, hard rock gold deposits that have grown significantly in the last few months. We've got two brand new discoveries that didn't even make it into the resource base that we put out a few weeks ago. You know, they're going to add significant ounces in the short term here. So it's very, very important in terms of demonstrating uh, that, that you've got to demonstrate uh, that you've got a, a route to demonstrating you've got a significant asset. And we do. And as I said, we've already got 1.1 million ounces. That asset base is going to keep growing and growing and growing. But as I said, in the short term, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of emphasis that we're putting in on demonstrating the economic viability of these blankets because it does give us that opportunity to jump off that hamster wheel and stop diluting the capital structure. Okay. Well, like, I, I guess we've got to give you time to do that. Um, PEA in, in Q1, hopefully some indication of how this thing uh, gets funded and you know, stays on the road as, as well from you. So, Alan, as always, pleasure to talk to you. Speak to you again soon. Thanks, Matt.